You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So here we go. We're going to start. Everyone eyes up here real quick. Eyes up here. Eyes up here. Everybody look to your neighbor real quick and say, I'm so glad you're here. Turn to your other neighbor. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you belong here. All right, I want everybody to look around the room real quick. Look around the room. Look around the room. Look around the room. There's a lot of people here. We don't all look the same. We don't all come from the same neighborhoods. We don't all come from the same backgrounds. We all don't have the same stories. But here's what every single one of us, hey, y'all, hey, stay with me. Hey, guys, shh. Here's what we all have in common. You know what we all have in common? Is that though we are different and though we are diverse, we reflect God better when we're together. And every single one of you is loved by God and valued by him. So last week we began a conversation on this idea that God has a name, right? We had uh, Nico up here, which Nico, just get up here real quick. So I'm going to need you again. Come on up here, Nico. So we had Nico, we had Nico standing right here, and I asked you, I said, hey, give me some descriptions for Nico. And we wrote down a bunch of descriptions. We wrote down nose. He's got a nose. Cool. Skinny. He's got great hair. He's handsome. He's cute. There's like a lot of compliments about you. I would hope they'd say the same things about me. Uh, Nike. He was wearing Nikes. He's funny. He has brown hair. So we wrote down a bunch of descriptions about Nico. And what we tried to illustrate through this metaphor last week was this. These are descriptions of Nico, but they are not in place of Nico, right? That there is still Nico, and then here are the descriptions of Nico. And what we tried to illustrate is that God does not want you to just have a relationship with descriptions about him, but he wants you to have a relationship with him, right? The idea is that God has a name, and he introduces himself in the Old Testament by his name before he describes his character traits, which are very important to understanding God. He introduces his name. He says, my name is Yahweh, which literally means he is. He has always existed, and he desires for his people to call him Yahweh. And as I was thinking about it this week, one thing I wanted to make crystal clear from last week is that, because some of you were left going, okay, how do I know if I have a relationship with the descriptions of God versus actually having a relationship with God? And here's what we discovered, is that when you have an actual relationship with God, you are changed by him. See the difference there? If you have an actual relationship with God, you can know a lot about God, but once your life becomes changed by God, you know that you are actually in a relationship with him. Which so, so kind of explains, maybe for some of you, you know a lot about God, but there is literally nothing different about the way you live. And it might be because you have a relationship with some descriptions, you don't have a relationship with God. So tonight, we want to continue understanding who God is. And after God gives us his name, he begins to describe himself 
so that we might know him. So Nico, here's what I need you to do. I need you to put on um, this shirt for me real quick. I know it's like your size. Go ahead and put on. Don't worry about that. I got that. You just put that on. There we go. Okay. So Nico, go ahead and put that shirt on. While Nico's putting that shirt on, let's throw up our scripture verse, and we're going to read it together. Exodus chapter 34, we're going to look at verse 6 and 7. It'll be up on the screen. Both verses will be up on the screen. Read it with me out loud on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, again, we said it last week. Those last few words, I understand you might read them and go, oh, what? God does what? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. And I think it's going to surprise you how it actually reveals God's grace and his love over us. But God says, my name is the Lord, the Lord. My name is Yahweh, Yahweh. And then he begins to describe himself. And so I asked Nico to put this shirt on because God describes himself as compassionate and gracious. Now, it may be hard for Nico's sister to imagine Nico as God, but the rest of us can be like, yeah, he's pretty close to Jesus. So, okay, cool. So God reveals himself as I am compassionate and gracious. The reason I asked him to put this shirt on is because as we understand, as we begin to unpack characteristics of God, as we begin to unpack descriptions of God, we need to always remember that it is God who we are after and the descriptions of God ultimately should help us connect with God. God. So it's not just about knowing things about him, but it's about understanding that Yahweh has revealed himself to us, that God is a person, that God loves us, that God knows us, that God wants a personal relationship with each one of us. And how are we to know things about him? It's from his word. And the first descriptions that he gives us about himself is that God is compassionate and gracious. Now, I need you to go ahead and have a seat. Can you guys thank Nico? You need to keep that on for later. Keep it on for later. Okay. So, at the time that Genesis is written, where the story of God is being told, there are many other myths in the ancient world describing who God is. There was a Babylonian myth. That was, that was a central theme to those that lived in Babylon, and it was their creation myth. It's called Enuma Elish, and literally the story that Babylonians believed, who were neighboring uh, communities to the Israelites, the way that they believed the world came to be is there were multiple gods, and they were fighting wars against each other, and that every god wanted to be able to control he wanted to have dominance, and so all the gods are fighting together, and finally one of them rises to the top. But here's what's interesting. As you open the pages of the Bible, the story, the true story of God, of the creation of the world, is dramatically different from that. Instead of the story being about gods fighting with each other, using humans, exploiting humans, trying to control humans... You read about a God who creates, who invites his people into being in relationship with him and empowers them to take care of 
his world. It's a completely different creation story. And as this God reveals himself to you and me, he says, I want you to understand two things about me. That as Yahweh, as I am a personal God, this is how you can expect me to interact with you. You can expect God to interact with you in this way, through compassion and graciousness. Now, let's jump in. If you're uh, taking notes, go ahead and write these. This is the very first fill in the blank, and it's this. God feels compassion for you. God feels compassion for you. So that passage, Exodus 34, 6 to 7, it says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. The first word we read is compassionate. And in the Hebrew, which is what this, what this original passage was written in, in the ancient Hebrew, the word for compassion is raham. Can everyone say raham on the count of three? One, two, three. Ah, y'all can do better than that. Raham on the count of three. One, two, three. Raham. You know what's interesting about the word raham? At its root. Hey, catch this, y'all. Catch this. You know what's interesting? This Hebrew word, raham, the root word, the root word, has a picture. It has a metaphor. It's, it's, it's a picture of a baby inside of its mother's womb. The idea here behind the word compassion is that feeling that a mom has towards its baby. The feeling that a mom has towards its child, its desire to care for its child. For some of you, I even recognize as I talk about parental love like that, maybe you can't relate. Maybe you just go, you know what? Like, mom or dad were not there for me. I don't understand what that's like, and I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's been your experience. God's design is that moms and dads would so feel compassion and love for their kids that they would do anything for them. See, when God is describing himself to his people, he's saying, I want you to think of your best example, whether it's you've been your own experience or the experience you've seen, I want you to think of what is the best example of a mother taking care of their child. That's the picture I want you to have for how I want to relate to you. You see, this word compassion is a feeling word. It's a feeling word. Sometimes when we think about God, we think about God up on this mountaintop with no emotion and just like trying to zap people or something. God says, oh, no, 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 hold on. If you're going to understand Yahweh, if you're going to understand me, and Jesus embodies this and lives this out, he says, you've got to understand that I have feelings. Isn't that cool? That God has feelings for you. You know what it's like, right? There's a cute boy at school or that cute girl at school or, or that person that you're just really interested in. And you, you know when you like wake up in the morning and they're like the first person that comes to your mind and it's not something you have to force. It's literally just there, right? Like you just can't get away from thinking about them. You're like doodling in your notebook when you should be writing like chemistry equations and said you're just writing their name over and over and over again. It is with that kind of passion and I'd argue even more so that God feels towards you. 
See, friends, could you let that settle in for a second? God is not distant, no matter what circumstances you've gone through. God is not unemotional. God is not absent. No, no, no. God is compassionate for you. He loves you. He cares about you. He thinks about you. In fact, in Psalm 103, verse 13, look at what the psalmist says. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. This idea of fearing him is respecting him, honoring him, holding him in this high position in your life. God says, just like a good dad has compassion on their kids, so God, so Yahweh has compassion for each one of you. Lila, um, the other day, Lila and I were driving in the car, and um, she just is full of questions. Like, she has so many questions, you guys, and she, she, I feel like sometimes her questions are like, where did that come from? You know, like, she'll be like, Dad, am I going to turn into a dinosaur? And it's like, whoa, like, what? Like, and then sometimes I'll mess with her, and I'll be like, probably, probably, and she's like, whoa, right? <laughs> sometimes... Lila will ask really deep questions about God. And the other day, she asked this question. The other day, we were driving, and she said, she said, hey, Daddy, does God know my name? Does God know my name? And you see, she, uh, she's at this really impressionable age. She's only three years old. And she's beginning to collect all of these ideas about who God is. And at a similar time in your life, like all y'all were three one day, which is three at one point in your life, which is really crazy to think about, right? Like now you're teenagers, you have it all figured out. But at one point you were three. And at one point in your life, you began either out loud asking questions or just internally asking questions about who is God. And for some of you, when mom and dad bailed on you, you immediately interpreted that God bailed on me. For some of you, when you were hurt by people closest to you, you said, oh, God is hurting me and I can't trust him. Some of you grew up in families where God just wasn't really talked about. And so if there is a God, he's probably way out there and has nothing to do with my life. See, Lila's asking this question, does God know my name? And I said, Lila, God knew your name before I knew your name. God knew you were coming to the world before I ever knew you were coming into the world. And she said this, she says, can God forget my name? Maybe you've ever felt like maybe God forgot about you. Maybe last year you're like, oh, dude, last year God and I were tight, we were close, but then something happened, and I'm just convinced God forgot about me. Like God was numbering all seven billion people, and he's like, I think I'm forgetting one. You're like, yeah, it was me. And I told Lila, I said, no, no, no. God can't forget about you. See, students, would you just let this truth sink into your hearts for a minute? That no matter what you are going through, God has not forgotten about you. Why? Because he's too compassionate to forget about you. It's outside of his nature. Yahweh, who is Jesus Christ, cannot forget about you. You're always on his mind. The other, uh, last night, Lila was, um, we gave popsicles to all the kids. 
and all the kids in our family, they're, they're all eating these popsicles, having a great time. And then Lila went over to the trash can and she accidentally dropped her popsicle. It fell into the dirty trash can and she just started crying, you guys. And it was so, I mean, you literally would have thought we told her we were like shipping her to Afghanistan and we'd never see her again. Like that was the gravity of the popsicle in the trash can. And you guys, when Lila cries, when Charlie or the other ones cry, I'm like, get over it. When Lila cries, I'm like, I'll literally do anything for you. Like, I don't care what it is. I will sell my arm for you, you know? Like, I, I, there's just something about her sweetness. And she's just sitting there crying. And so I reach into the trash can. I pull out the popsicle. I, like, rinse it off from the coronavirus. I'm just rinsing it off, cleaning, cleaning the popsicle to try to give it back to her to make her happy again, to show her that I love her. And why? It's because when I see her crying, I can't help but feel compassion. Could I invite every student to close their eyes for a second? Should close your eyes. I'm going to say something slowly, and I want you to think about these words. Right now, the thing that is breaking your heart is also breaking God's heart. The thing, whatever it is, that is breaking your heart, the pain that you are personally experiencing, the fear, the worry, the anxiety. Some of you with your eyes closed right now your big question in life is, why me? Why do I have to have this kind of life? Why, why am I going through this? And God wants you to know that he is personal and that he is compassionate over you. That he loves you. You can go ahead and open your eyes. Not only does God feel compassion for you, like you wrote down your notes. But number two, God acts gracious towards you. So these two words show up in this passage, right? The Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Now here's what's interesting. The word compassion is a feeling word. The word gracious is actually an action word. The word for gracious is this, repeat after me, we Hanan, on the count of three, we Hanan, one, two, three. We Hanan. It means to act on that compassionate feeling. It, it means to extend love and care and justice and what is right. So when God is gracious, it means he wants to extend to you good things. He wants to care for you. He wants to infuse you. He wants to download into the app of your life a new operating system that is defined by hope. Not hopelessness. God is gracious. In 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 23, listen to this. But the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion and showed concern for them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To this day, he has been unwilling to destroy them or banish them from his presence. Why? Because God acts graciously towards you and I. Friends, think about this for a minute. 
that you and I, as we stand before a holy God, you and I are broken, sinful, we are selfish, we do our own thing. We should not be able to stand in the presence of God, but he acts graciously towards us. And the greatest act of graciousness was him sending his son to die on the cross in your place, to rise from the dead, proving to you that he has power over life and death. Now, maybe some of you are going, okay, how does this actually work itself out in my life? Like, how does this affect my relationship with God? Think about this. There's usually three approaches to how we approach God. There's usually three kind of dominant approaches that we have to God. Number one is this. We approach God based on what I have done. So I go before God, maybe some of you pray to God, and you go, God, I went to HSM this Wednesday, so I need to get an A on my chemistry test. God, I went to church this Sunday. God, I served this Sunday. God, I didn't sleep with my girlfriend this weekend. God, I did this because of what I've done. God, you should do this for me. Second way we approach God is, God, because this horrible thing happened to me, you owe it to me. Because this thing happened to me, you should do this for me. But when we have a kind of relationship with God that is rooted in his name and rooted in his character, we approach God based on who he is. And instead of laying out demands before him, our prayers should look like this. God, you are personal. God, you are compassionate and gracious. So would you help me to feel better about myself? God, you are compassionate and gracious, so would you help give me patience with the people around me? God, you are compassionate and gracious, so would you forgive me? God, you're compassionate and gracious, and I don't know if I could face my parents one more time. Help me. You see, you're, you're not pleading with God because you're saying, God, I'm the bomb. You're not pleading with God because you're a victim and things have happened to you. You're pleading with God because of who he is. So let me ask you, who is he? Who is God in your life? Well, he's personal, he's compassionate, and he's gracious. And lastly, our last big idea tonight is this. If God is compassionate and gracious, we should be too. Your last fill in the blank. If God is compassionate and gracious, we should be too. Let me tell you a little story. There was this group uh, that was enemies with the Israelites. They were called the Assyrians. You probably know them best as the Ninevites, right? The story of Jonah going to Nineveh, avoiding that. Well, they were the Assyrians, and the Assyrians literally for hundreds of years were in war, were at war with the Israelites. This is how bad the Assyrians, the Ninevites, this is how bad the Ninevites were. I'm going to literally read you. This is from libraries that they've discovered in Nineveh. These are kings of Nineveh, the Assyrians, kings of Assyrians. These are literally some of their words that they wrote down. I want you to just picture this. This is like way crazier than Grand Theft Auto or any other video game you've been playing. Listen to this. King Shalmaneser II, he said this. A pyramid of heads I reared in front of my enemy's city. Their youth and their maidens I burned up in flames. And this is, this is their leadership. This is a king. 
who he says, I've killed everyone, I've beheaded everyone, I've stacked their heads so high, and then I burned the women and children. I mean, that's who these people are. King Sennacherib said this, I flayed my enemy and his skin I spread upon the wall of the city. So when this king took over, when he defeated his enemy, he skinned him alive. That's who the Ninevites were. And then lastly, listen to this one. This might be the most haunting one of all. King Asher Banuapal said this. I pierced my enemy's chin with my hand dagger. Through his jaw, I passed a rope. I put a dog chain upon him and made him live in a kennel. This is who these people are. This is the Assyrians. So then all of a sudden, God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go into Nineveh, and I want you to preach them, and I want you to tell them that their time has come and they must repent. So Jonah literally flees the opposite direction, right? I mean, he, he gets as far away from Nineveh as possible. And some people think, oh, well, maybe he did that because he was afraid of the Ninevites. Because he had heard stories of them piercing people's chins and running a rope through it and making them live in a dog kennel. I mean, the most atrocious things you could imagine. But that's not why Jonah ran away from Nineveh. The reason he ran away from Nineveh is in Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became very angry because God was going to forgive them. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God. That you are slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Here's, here's why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because he knew God's character. He knew that God was a forgiving and loving God. John Mark Comer, he's an author and pastor, he said this. He said, most of us want mercy for ourselves and justice for everybody else. But it doesn't work like that. God shows mercy to all. Let's fast forward to Jesus. Jesus picks up this idea and he says this. You've heard it said... Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This means God will be merciful, God will be, God will be compassionate and gracious even to people who don't deserve it because it's in his character. And he says, and if you greet only your own people, what are, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? But instead, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Nico, could you come up here real quick? Um, Seth, can you come up here real quick? Oh, Paul, Paul, get up here real quick. Paul, get up here real quick. Let's see, I need uh, Solomon, come on up here real quick. I'm just throwing these out random. Hurry, hurry, you guys, hurry. Go ahead and put this shirt on. Go ahead and put this shirt on. I need one more guy. Blake, come up here real quick. 
Go ahead and put this shirt on. Here, I need all you guys to come over here. You stay right here. You guys, come on over here. Put on the shirt. Come on over here. So here's, here's what God would, I think, want us to end our time talking about just for a few minutes. The idea that God is, hold on, stay with me. The idea that God is compassionate and gracious should bury itself deep in our hearts and should affect the way we see him and interact with them, but then it should actually translate into the way we interact with other people. Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your friends, but hate your enemies. And I'm telling you, no, if God is truly compassionate and gracious to all people, then Christians, followers of Jesus, ought to be compassionate and gracious to all people. And you guys, here's the problem with us, okay? And I'm in this too. Here's the problem with us. That you and I, for many of you who call yourselves followers of Jesus, we claim to be in relationship with this God. And yet if we're honest, these are the words that would actually describe us. So for some of us, we're prideful and arrogant. We're lustful and selfish. We're legalistic and unkind. We're jealous and, what did that word say? We're jealous and hateful. And then here's what happens. Come on over here real quick, Nico. I want you guys to get around Nico. Go ahead and get around, like two on one side, two on the other. And here's what happens. So if this, if Nico represents Jesus, no, doing that. If Nico represents Jesus, and this represents you and I, does it kind of make sense now that when people look at us, they go, wait, you follow Jesus? You follow God? But you're like super selfish. Or, or you're like really hateful. Or, or you're arrogant. Or, or you're really prideful. And the problem is, is if we have only been in relationship with the descriptions of God, or let me just make this clear, if maybe you just come on a Wednesday night, you just come here on Sundays, you just kind of are around, but, but you aren't actually in a relationship with God, then you will continue to be these descriptions. You will continue to miss out on, here's what God desires. God desires to literally take his character traits through a relationship with him and put them onto you. Because apart from Jesus, this is who we are. We're jealous and hateful. We're legalistic and unkind. We're lustful and selfish. We're prideful and we're arrogant. Fill in the blank. Who are you apart from Jesus? The, the idea is that as you and I are in relationship with the compassionate and gracious God, we don't continue to be our old selves but we become more like him. So students, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you've been showing up here for a number of months. Maybe you've even surrendered your life to Jesus. Are you anything like him? How do you get there? It's through a relationship with him. Not through knowing just facts about him, but by being in relationship with him. And so as you're in your life groups tonight, I'm going to ask you to be really vulnerable, maybe more vulnerable than you've ever been before. And I'm going to ask you to not waste time just kind of talking about, so like, how was your track meet this week? No, no, we're not doing that tonight. Tonight I want you to dive into your life groups. 
And I want you to ask yourself the question, do I look like Jesus? Do I love like Jesus? Am I in a relationship with Jesus? Or if I was honest, do these words describe me more than these words? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for tonight and for the conversation we're beginning and that will continue and deepen in these students' life groups. God, I pray you'd speak to them and that you would help every single one of us to take steps closer to you in relationship with you and that in the process we would become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen.